we were just talking about one of our customers sent us a really nice email saying she appreciated us and we were commenting how good that made us feel. Yeah, that, that gratitude and telling people that you like them, it works for sure. There's a story in Cialdini's book, Influence, which is very popular, where I think it's in the Cialdini book, where a car salesman sends 10,000 postcards a year that just say, I like you, with his name. And the story, as I remember, was that he was the best performing car salesman in all of GM. Let me try to Google that really quick. Yeah. Cialdini. I feel like we need a producer who's going to have like a Jamie, like a Joe Rogan's Jamie. <laughs> Pull it up on a big screen layered over the video here. Okay. The other thing I wanted to lead off with, and this is, a, a, we're just getting into the weeds here. I'm going to share this tweet with Andy and we're going to talk about it. Basically, after iOS 14.5 came out, where they changed the Safari rules about cookies, Facebook had to react and change its advertising algorithm. And there hasn't been a lot of chatter about it. And from what I can tell online, people have been embarrassed to talk about it. But this is one example. A chart I'm showing Andy right now shows this person who runs an e-commerce direct-to-consumer business is has seen their revenue drop by over half uh, since June of this year. We were talking to a client recently that had a similar story that after the iOS changes, their revenue took a serious hit because ads no longer worked. Curious, Andy, your thoughts. This was the tweet that sparked this conversation from the other guy. Yeah, I mean, I think on the one hand, you start to think about, okay, well, from a consumer perspective, how does this feel? Am I, as a consumer, feeling like my privacy is being respected because of these privacy changes and not having ads follow me as much based on cookie settings? I would argue, I don't think consumers really care. And I think that the, the retargeting in the past, in my opinion, where ads followed consumers more efficiently, it, it was not a bad thing necessarily. And I don't see, I didn't think it was a privacy violation personally. And I think the effect on like a small business, as you look at this chart, it's pretty, pretty devastating. I mean, talking to one of our vendors, they actually just got rid of their agency because ads didn't work anymore. And if somebody gets served an ad with, local healthy food options and they decide to purchase it, like, isn't that a good thing? And I think from a tech, technical perspective, it's like, so what do we do as a business? How do we help? What we're so good at is helping our businesses retain customers. And I hear a lot in demos like, hey, are you going to help me grow? And my response is, well, we're going to help you grow through retention, which is the best way to grow anyways, but they still need to find, drive traffic to their site if they're online only. And if Facebook ads aren't working, then what do you do? Yeah, I have two reactions seeing the graph. The first, the second is exactly what you just said, which we'll talk about in a second on what we offer with retention. But the first thought is that it does feel a little bit like Apple is using the privacy argument, which is very valid. And I'm someone who uses Uber under a pseudonym for privacy. I just don't like people knowing my name when riding an Uber. The one tiny example, like I'm, I'm aware of the privacy issues, but it feels like Apple is using those to target Facebook as a business specifically in corporate challenge more than this actually helps customers. Poor acting state or malicious software can still track you around the internet and is still going to figure out a way to do that. This isn't preventing the feds from tracking you, your ISP from tracking you, all of these things. 
but this is preventing Facebook from delivering very personalized ads, which whether or not you support Facebook as a business, which I actually have my issues with them as a company, it's indisputable how much their targeted ads help small businesses. And to be able to compete with a very small ad budget to find the customers who want to buy from you targeted online has been a boon to small business and the Shopify quote unquote sellers on the internet and the iOS changes has had a huge effect on those businesses ability to convert with that gone. It just means that people were more, had more risk exposure than they realized. I think the other comment on Twitter is that people used to feel smug if they had a Shopify store relative to their Amazon competitors, people who only sold over Amazon because they thought that they were diversified and they owned their customer, but they came to find out that actually they were relying on a sole company too, Facebook. And the moment Facebook ads stopped working, they couldn't find new customers and the business has shrunk. So what's the solution? I mean, that's the question I'm thinking. It's like, if I'm a small business, is the solution to figure out how to get Facebook ads to work or is the solution to figure out how to build a more direct relationship with my customer? It's both. I think that the effectiveness of Facebook ads meant people got lazy a little bit. Lazy is the wrong word. Got complacent with what was working. And it was okay that churn was bad uh, because you could always find a new customer at a pretty cheap price. Your acquisition costs were relatively low. And now that's not good enough anymore. You can't just hope that a customer will keep coming back. You need to build a relationship with that customer and hold on to them over time while at the same time figuring out new ways to acquire. You need to have a content strategy. You need to provide value to your customer. I think the era of paid ads being as cheap and effective as they were is coming to an end on the internet. And even independent of the iOS 14.5 changes, the competition for successful direct-to-consumer verticals was getting really intense anyway. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, if you look at Blue Apron as an example in the food space, I mean, they just cost of acquisition for the meal prep and the meal kit businesses is a key example of just how expensive it gets and how, how long you have to retain the customer to have any sort of unit economic profitability. Yeah, the Warby Parker S1, they're paying, I think it's $40 per customer to acquire, and that's including repeat buyers. So that wasn't the first time order. They were including, basically, they paid $40 every time someone bought a pair of sunglasses from them, which is pretty wild when you think about it. That's You can start to see why all these digitally native brands who are e-commerce first are opening up retail stores. Because if you're paying $40 per purchase, retail becomes really cheap in comparison. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see like how this plays out with the downfall of cheap targeted ads. People are going to have to get a lot more creative. I think that's, I think for us as a team, also thinking about, well, how do we help? How do we help vendors that have been traditionally reliant on Facebook to come up with new strategies and ultimately like the idea of a membership and this ongoing relationship with the customer is a compelling value prop in this world. Absolutely. And I think the other truth that we believe in, and I'm not sure how you execute this. I mean, this is something we struggle with ourselves as a business, but customers really want to know your story and they want to know why you do what you do and they want to know why they can trust you. And that was always hard to pull off with ads anyway. And I think it's the brands that effectively tell their story 
and create content that either helps or entertains their customer and shows them why you should be eating certain food, what's important about buying local, meeting the people behind the food, connecting with them on a deeper level, I think are the ones that will succeed. And that's hard. Like I, I don't know. I, I want to do everything we can via bottle to help our customers do that, but there's no pretense. Like that's a really hard thing to do. It's not hard to, it's not easy being a good storyteller. Yeah. And even getting your story surfaced, right? Awesome. What's our next question here? So I think that was topic one and two. What was the first thing we talked about? The, uh, oh, oh, Cialdini. I like you. Yeah. So Cialdini won Facebook ads too. What, we'll, we'll talk about two more things. So the third, what is your biggest challenge right now internally at Bottle? I think getting, we've had a lot, we've had three of our seven start in the last week in the sales team. And I think just kind of getting everyone on the same page, ramping, training, giving everyone the tools to be super successful takes time and effort. And just I'm doing like personally, I'm doing a lot of the demoing and, and a lot of the customer connection, which I absolutely love. But I think as we start to really ramp up our ambition and our goals over the next few months, obviously we, we want to be able to spread the demos and to really kind of out ramp our outreach. And I'm excited. I think Alex and Justin have been an amazing add to the team. Dave's kind of been in and out the last few weeks. So excited to get him back this week to have him kind of back in the saddle. And I think just getting the full team, everyone kind of ramped and ready and kind of all on the same page, like a strong amount of output. I think that's going to be a huge benefit to us. So I think just that takes a lot of time, both for Justin and Alex and Clayton to get ramped up. And I think it takes a lot of time on my side to, to get them ramped up. You know, once they're ramped, we can start allocating demos and really kind of spreading things out and, and then also spreading the word, which is a huge part of what I'm hoping to do. And, and then hopefully that opens up more time for me to work on some of the bigger initiative projects we have around messaging as narrative splash page. Cause that's, I think growth inbound growth is the next big step in our growth strategy. That's where we need to be spending our time. What about you, Will? My biggest challenge has been learning about the reality of building a separated front end from back end. I think I forgot why Rails, which is traditionally what we've built our entire tech stack with, was so appealing, where you build the front end and back end together, and it's very integrated. And it was possible for me as a nearly solo developer to build our initial product and on a pretty quick time horizon, usually. Building a separate front end is like building an iOS app to a certain degree. We're rebuilding everything in Vue, and it needs its own state management and its own data models and its own controllers, which there are downsides to. It's more complicated and it takes longer, but there's upsides and that the product at the end and after refining is clearly going to be a lot better, especially for a highly reactive, snappy messaging first app like the one that we've built. So that's been a real challenge for me is wrapping my head around the challenges and the timeline that it takes to build a really compelling independent front end app but we're getting through it. Anything else to add? No, I mean, I think the other thing I just to, to just nail, like when I say getting the team on the same page, it's really understanding what I would say is like the situation, the problem solution of our market. 
What is the situation various segments of our market are in? What's their problem? What's our solution? And refining that narrative and communicating that narrative. I think that's the biggest challenge in ramping up with Bottle is that it's not a super easy to understand use case. And so it just takes some time to kind of lean into like what we're doing. And also the fact that like, we're still, we're still an emerging company. And so there's, we're learning as we build and grow and deploy. So I'd say that's, that's the, I think that's the root of the challenge as we scale and grow the sales team. Cool. Okay. Fourth question you pick the con kind of content as a strategy. Do you want to talk about that or the, or life updates? Let's do life updates just cause we're running out of time. And I think next podcast, let's kick off with content as a strategy. We'll leave that one hanging. Big life update on my end. There aren't a ton. Meredith and I are actively in the process of potentially moving. So I think that's what's occupying me outside of work. You go into that a little bit. Where are you thinking about going? Yeah. So we're thinking about moving to this community about an hour south of Atlanta, 30 minutes south of the airport, which would actually be quite convenient for me to travel to see Will. It's like a 23 minute door to door from the community to Will. And it's just this, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a wellness and uh, kind of local food based community that really focuses on nature and wellness and being kind of in like the built environment as a community of people and the built environment being a place that kind of fosters like connection both within each other or with the community and with, with nature. So where we would potentially move, we'd have a house that would then back up to a 15 mile trail system. And we're kind of in the middle of nowhere, but you're also not in the middle of nowhere. Certainly can't get like a local pizza delivered on a Friday night, which is a bummer. But outside of that, it's a pretty self-sustaining place. You can get a CSA on the property. They have an amazing, three amazing restaurants, more to come. And it's just a very cool mini city. It even feels more modern and walkable and just everything you need even though it's only a couple thousand residents kind of in the middle of farm country georgia so it's a beautiful piece of land and people who live there are pretty cool and got a lot of interesting folks a bunch of tech founders and people who've moved from all over the country to be there so we're kind of figuring out if that's possible for us but definitely that's kind of what it's looking like and that would be like two years from now so we're just going through the motions to get everything in place to do that it's been a lot of fun. What about you, Will? I moved to New York, as I think we touched on in this pod a few months ago, and I'm loving it. And super excited about the fall in New York. Yesterday, there was a bite, a little bit of bite in the air. You could feel it. Fall is around the corner. Really enjoying being in New York, walking into the office, walking home, being around people again. I think I really struggled during the pandemic as much as I enjoy being alone with my thoughts and reading a book, I realized just how much I love arguing with people <laughs> and being in a bar with them. So hopefully COVID stays on its current trajectory and that the vaccines stay effective and that people feel comfortable going out. And I think as long as that's the case, I'll keep loving being here. Yeah, it's a great place. Until next time.